Last Sunday was a great day. Um, Patty and I were out of town, and, and usually we um, go to a church wherever we're at, but Patty suggested that we watch this service here live, and we did. And, and that it was a great, great service. I just thank all those who had a part in it. Um, did a wonderful, wonderful job. As you know, I uh, pastored in Buttermilk, Kansas, and uh, that place is still near to my heart. And we still keep in touch with folks from Buttermilk. And this last week, I uh, received a couple of uh, emails from them. Uh, this one I thought was pretty good from Leo. Um, maybe you won't appreciate it, but I certainly did. All right, it's not going to work. So we'll hit this button. <clears throat> Brain cells die. Skin cells die. Even hair cells die. But fat cells, they must have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because they seem to have eternal life. <laughs> I know that was pretty good. So that was that was from my my friend Leo. <clears throat> this came from Susan. Peanuts, dear Lord. All I want for Christmas is for my family and friends to know Jesus. I thought that was really, really true. <clears throat> I like gifts, uh, especially unexpected gifts. Anybody around here like gifts? Yeah. Um, I'm told that deep emotional experiences have an impact on your brain. That you can quickly recall those experiences that were emotionally traumatic for the bad or emotionally dramatic for the good. You know, experiences that were shocking or experiences that were surprising. So when I take a, a mental journey of my life, I can rapidly recall those times when I received those unanticipated gifts because in many cases, they've left an emotional impact on my brain. And I, and I can just picture those, those situations. For example, I, I remember a day, it was just over 70 years ago, I know some of you can't count that far, but, but over 70 years ago, I remember a day at the Colonel Summers Park in Portland, Oregon, on 17th and Taylor, and it was between the slide and the swings. And it was my birthday. And I was standing there with aunts and uncles and cousins and mom and dad brought a box and they laid it at my feet. And they said, here's your birthday present. And the box barked. And finally, a head popped out, 
and it was a little cocker spaniel. So we went across the street uh, to where grandma and grandpa lived. And I was sitting there in the kitchen. And I can remember it as if it were yesterday. We were sitting at the kitchen table and I was with Uncle Don. And Uncle Don said, uh, what are you going to name your, your puppy? And I said, I don't know, it was such a surprise. And there was a salt and pepper shaker there. And he took the salt and pepper shaker and he scootered it across the table. And he said, well, salt's white, pepper's black. Your little cocker spaniel is all black. Maybe you should name him Pepper. And from that day on, it was Pepper. Now, <clears throat> I was an only child. Mom and Dad said that, that was enough. They couldn't handle any more. They only adopted me. I was a handful, apparently. And Pepper was my friend. You know, they, they tell stories about kids that have these you know, imaginary friends, you know, as their companions. Well, Pepper was my uh, friend, and he wasn't imaginary. I mean, we went into the woods together. We played in creeks together. Uh, we walked into a hornet's nest together. I mean, I can re Pepper was my buddy. Pepper was my friend. And, uh, you know, that, that was just a great present, especially for an only child. Another present that I'll never forget is this. Uh, my grandfather made this for me. I loved playing baseball, and Grandpa knew that. And so he took these different types of wood into a shop, and since he had a lot of time on his hands, apparently, uh, he made this bat for me. And it was a special gift. Because even back then, I knew how much time this must have taken him to make. And he made it with me in mind. It's one of a kind. There's no other bat in the world like this one. And on the end, he put in the date, 1959. I was 10 years old. This was my 10-year-old uh, birthday present from, from my grandpa. Um, Remember another present? I used to teach sixth grade self-contained classroom. And we had a boy in, in the class that uh, came from a broken home. He lived with his dad. And his dad, his dad and his mom did not get along at all. And so there was constant friction even though he lived with his dad alone. And it was not a happy home, and it was not only not a happy home, but as time turned out, 
It was an abusive home. And one day, this student came to class, and it was one of the last days that he was going to be with us in the class and, and in the school. And he gave me a gift. It's, a, it's like an old-fashioned school desk in an old-fashioned classroom. And he said, he said, you'll probably never remember me, but maybe this gift will help. That was a special gift. I've never forgotten. I like gifts. You know, I think about five things when it comes to gifts. At least a true gift. A true gift is an expression of love. I mean, that's what a, a true gift is all about. It's an expression of sincere appreciation for the one that you love. Um, you can buy someone a present, but it's not a true gift unless your motive is love. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul writes, If I give all I possess to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. Then count. Loveless giving is, is associated with selfishness and, and pride. You have some ulterior motive there. If a multi-billionaire gives $200 million to some project to get his name in a professional magazine or to get his name inscribed on a plaque on the side of the building, that's not a gift. That's marketing. That's self-promotion. If a boy gives a girl a dozen roses and he does it to weaken her will, to see how far he can go with her. That's not love. That's self-centeredness. That's lust. Uh, love can always wait to give. Lust can never wait to get. But a true gift is an expression of true love. Now, a true gift is thoughtful and meaningful. I mean, it's something that's going to be treasured and valued and, and cherished by the recipient, like Pepper, uh, like Grandpa's baseball bat, like Adam's gift of this model. To buy someone you know who's allergic to cats and give them a new kitten, that, that's not thoughtful, that's not meaningful, that's just cruel. Or to buy your small child a 
exegetical commentary on the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ probably is not something that he had in mind. <laughs> a true gift is thoughtful and, and meaningful. One husband saw one of those offers that sometimes comes with your American Express credit card bill. In the bill, there's, there's sometimes a, a deal that you can get, you know, good price. And, and so he opened up his American Express credit card bill and, and there was one of these little ads for a diamond bracelet. Well, it wasn't quite a diamond bracelet. It was a free simulated diamond bracelet. And he only had to pay the postage. And so he sent away for the simulated diamond bracelet as a gift to his wife for Christmas. But when she opened the box, she immediately recognized where it came from because she had seen the bill. And she saw that uh, her husband was taking advantage of, quote unquote, a good deal. And her husband immediately recognized that it really wasn't a gift, it was a mistake. Because a true gift is it's thoughtful and meaningful to the person who's receiving it. And a true gift is free. It's a gift. It's not a payoff. It's not a bribe. It's not a reward. It's a gift. And gifts are free. A gift may be costly to the giver, but it's free to the recipient. After being away on a business trip the, the week before Christmas, a man thought it'd be nice to, to get his wife a little gift, you know, that he's coming home. So he went to Macy's and, and he asked to see a bottle of perfume. And the gal brought a bottle of perfume and cost $100. And he said, well, I really wasn't expecting to, to, to spend that much. Is there something else you could bring me? And so she brought, her a, a small, brought him a smaller bottle, bottle of perfume and, and it cost $50. And he said, uh, I really wasn't expecting to, to pay that much. Uh, is there something else you could bring me? And so she brought him a little jar of perfume and it cost $20. And, and he said, you know, I guess, I guess I, I'd like to see something that's real cheap. And so she handed him a mirror. <laughs> a true gift will cost you something. Now, it doesn't have to be money. It may cost you time. It may cost you sacrifice, thoughtfulness, creativity, hard work. But if it doesn't cost you anything, then it loses its luster. But, but a gift is free to the one that you love. A true gift is free. And then a true gift brings great joy to the giver. You know, when Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus knew what he was talking about. It's just plain fun to give someone an unexpected gift. Now, 
I don't know if you ever heard the story. It's a true story about a, a family where the, the wife started a Christmas tradition. Uh, one Christmas, her husband said to her, please don't get me anything. <laughs> I have everything I need. All I want is you and our three boys just to, to be together as a family, to love the Lord. And so please don't get me anything this Christmas. Well, Christmas Day came and the presents were open. And after all the presents were open that were under the tree, there was this, this envelope on the tree. And she had put it there. And he saw it. And they went and got it. And she gave it to her husband. And he opened the letter. And the, the letter explained that, he, that she had purchased sporting equipment for an inner city Christian school. A few weeks earlier, uh, their son's wrestling team had a match with that same Christian school. And her husband pointed out that, that her son's team had the best equipment, you know, up-to-date, shiny, attractive New uniforms, new shoes, new headgear. But the, the inner city Christian school, their uniforms were sh shoddy and, and their equipment was old. And her husband remarked that he felt bad for those, those kids on the other team. So what she did is she anonymously bought new uniforms and new equipment for the other school's whole team. And the letter stated that her gift to her husband was the, the sporting equipment for that inner city Christian school. Well, he, uh, he just broke into tears and so, should, so did she. And, and her boys thought that was a great idea. And so the whole family experienced that it was, it was more blessed to give than to receive. That was just plain old fun. Well, the next year, there was an envelope on the tree again. And she did a similar thing. This time, she sent a group of kids with some intellectual disabilities to an NFL football game. And the third year, the envelope stated that her gift to her husband was a check to a family in their neighborhood whose home had, had burned down. And every year it was funded to be able to give to those in need. And in that family, that, that Christmas envelope became one of the most treasured, priceless memories that they had. But then her husband unexpectedly died. And, uh, you know, a relatively young man. And when the first Christmas rolled around without him, there was mom's envelope in the tree. It was her gift to her husband. And this year, she was sending a group of church kids to, to summer camp. Kids that normally would not have been able to afford to go. Now they could go. But she looked closer at the tree and there were three other envelopes there placed there by each one of her, her boys. 
And she wasn't expecting that. But each envelope was a gift to their dad, who was now gone. And they had bought gifts that they gave to others in his name. And the boys, again, discovered that it, it's just more blessed to give than to receive. Especially to those who have some real undeserved legitimate needs. A true gift brings great joy to the giver. But a true gift needs to be received in order to be appreciated. I mean, I can extend a gift to someone, and, but if they don't want it, if they don't receive it, well, it doesn't do them any good. Uh, they won't be able to enjoy it. It won't accomplish the full intended purpose of a gift, which is to demonstrate sincere love. And it hurts the giver when their love is rejected. You know, there's no joy when your gift is turned down. You know, George Strait used to sing about how his wife was leaving him and she's telling him to, to give everything away. She doesn't want it anymore. Their bed, their pictures, her wedding ring, everything. And at the end of the song, he sings, I've got a furnished house, a diamond ring, and a lonely, broken heart full of love, and I can't even give it away. Such is the way with any true gift. You can give it, but it needs to be received in order to be appreciated. But you can't force a gift of love. Sometimes you, you just can't give it away. And so a true gift is an expression of love. A true gift is thoughtful and meaningful. A true gift is free. A true gift brings great joy to the giver. And a true gift needs to be received to be appreciated. Now I think that the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 letters of the, the New Testament, I think he must have loved gifts. Because no one in all the Bible used the word gift more than the Apostle Paul. And one place where he uses the word gift in particular is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and the very, very, very last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. Now what makes this so interesting to me is that for two chapters, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, is all he's talking about there is giving. His instructions on giving to meet the needs of the saints in Jerusalem because they were going through famine and economic hardship. They didn't have enough money to buy food. And so Paul is asking the church of Corinth to consider giving a, a financial love gift that he's going to take with him back to the church in Jerusalem. And so 
tells them, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but give cheerfully. Because God loves a, a cheerful giver. And he says all these things in the context of encouraging the saints to give to meet the needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ who had next to nothing. And, and so that's two chapters on this, you know? 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9. And then, just out of absolutely nowhere, Paul is caught up with the giving of God. And he breaks into a doxology. And he concludes the whole section with the verse, Thanks be to God for His undescribable gift. It's as if Paul were saying to the, to the saints of Corinth, you know, I want you to, to join in with the rest of the churches in the Mediterranean area who are going to give a love gift with you to the saints in Jerusalem. But our gifts, no matter how lavish they may be, can never compare to the love gift that God gave us. God's the greatest giver. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Well, what was the gift? Well, the gift was His Son. That is the indescribable gift. That's why I think the gift word in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15 should be capitalized. Because I think Paul had Jesus in mind. God sent a gift one Christmas morn and wrapped it up in swaddling clothes. And that gift grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And that gift lived a, a sinless life. That gift died a sacrificial death for our sins. And that gift, a second time, was wrapped in strips of cloth and placed in a tomb. And that gift rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and now offers to each one of us, the gift of eternal life. That's why the Bible says that, and again, the words of the Apostle Paul, who loved the word gift, the wages of sin, and wages are something that you earn, you know. Wages are something that you deserve. Uh, wages are something that's it's coming to you. The wages of sin is death. And the context is eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And a true gift is an expression of love. God so loved the world that He what? He gave. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And the gift of Jesus was an expression of God's love for us. Whenever you doubt God's love, and you 
will you think of Jesus? Because a true gift is an expression of love. And a true gift is thoughtful and meaningful. I mean, God's gift of Jesus is the perfect gift. It meets a spiritual need in our lives that, that nothing else could ever meet. No person can ever meet that gift. Your salvation, your forgiveness, your hope, your purpose, your peace, your eternal life. A true gift is thoughtful and meaningful. And a true gift is free. It's free to us, but it costs Jesus his life on the cross. And a true gift brings great joy to the giver. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. That brought great joy both to the Father and the Son to offer the gift of eternal life to you. And a true gift needs to be received to be appreciated. You will never be offered a greater gift in all of your life than Jesus. But the gift needs to be received in order to be appreciated. God offers the gift of the Son, but that you, you must take the gift to make it yours. And you take the gift by making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and the, and the King of your life. Have you ever done that? I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a wonderful church. I grew up with Sunday school teachers and youth workers that, that really, really cared for me. But even though I grew up in a, a great home and a great church with great Christian teachers, I didn't trust Jesus. Everybody thought I was a good Christian kid, you know. I didn't, I, I didn't trust Jesus. Until um, the summer after my freshman year in high school. And I've told the story before how I was laying in bed one night, sitting up. And I thought, you know... You have all these blessings, great family, great church, great teachers who have instructed you in the things of God, but you've never trusted Jesus. If you would die tonight, you would die lost. And it just, it just hit me. And the Holy Spirit had, had prepared me for that moment. And I remember laying in bed there, and I remember having a, a headache, really. But right then and there, I, 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 I trusted in Christ. And I was sincere, I meant it. I know what it costs to follow Jesus. 
And I received the gift. And after I prayed to receive Christ and make him Lord, I still had the headache. Still remember that. <laughs> that didn't go away. But my fear went away and my sins went away. And I came into a relationship with God that for the first time I could honestly call him Father. And I came into a relationship with Christ where I could truly call him my personal Savior. All those years, he had offered me the gift. All those years, I had little ladies at that church praying for little Rodney who had been adopted in that church. Ever, the church was part of my adoption. A gal came to the church one day and talked to the pastor and said that she was going to have a baby and she wasn't able to care for that baby and so she would like to put it up for adoption. Did he know of anyone who might be willing to adopt a baby that was in the church? And he said, I do. And he talked to my adopted parents about it and they said, fantastic. And I was adopted. But all those years, I knew about Jesus. I knew about the responsibility I have to receive the gift. I understood the gift, but I never received the gift. You know, only after you have received the gift can you actually thank God for the gift. So, don't get so wrapped up in what the world has to sell you at Christmas time that, that you miss out on the gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And what's the gift? Well, the gift is Jesus. The one gift that will last forever.
establishing that, that relationship with you by receiving the gift. We thank you that, Father, you are the, the sovereign God of the universe, the sovereign God over our planet. You uh, set up kingdoms and you bring them down. You are providentially in control of all things that happen and you have providentially willed to give us free will so that bad things happen because of sin, selfishness, greed, pride, arrogance, lust. But one day you're going to bring everything to a halt and you're going to establish your kingdom on earth forever. And we would pray that each one here would be ready for that day so that they will not appear before the, the ultimate judgment of God and say, but Lord, we went to church 50 out of 52 times out of the year. We gave, we contributed, we were kind. We did our best. And he would tell them, I never knew you because you never received the gift of my son. And so, Father, if that's the condition of any heart here this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take the words of Paul and the words of Scripture and bring that person to faith in Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.